Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on award-winning director and filmmaker Gabe Polsky to the podcast. And there's been a lot of talk on social media about his movie that he did in search of greatness, where he brought on Wayne Gretzky, Jerry Rice, Pele, uh, David Epstein, and a couple other people to talk about why elite Well, elite, (laughs) everybody uses elite nowadays, but great, the greatest of all time players, why they are the way that they are and how they got there. Uh, Fantastic film. He also directed Red Army, which is a great film about the Russian Red Army team and how they came over to play in the United States with some of their players. And so awesome, awesome conversation with him. Turns out uh, when I asked him to come on here, wasn't even sure that he was a hockey player, but turns out he was a great hockey player back in the day, grew up in Chicago and played for the one Stanimal, Stan Stiopkin, who was my Bantam coach and we've had on the podcast. He went on to play hockey at Hotchkiss, which is a prep school in Connecticut, and then played uh, Division One hockey for uh, legend, USA hockey legend Tim Taylor at Yale. So this was a great conversation with Gabe uh, about his film and his hockey journey. Uh, but before we do get over to him, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's going on here today? I'm just murdering coffee with MCT oil right now, Tovsky, and I love it. <laughs> I don't even, what is MCT oil? Medium chain triglycerides. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. yeah. now I know. CTs, oh, baby. Okay. Get that. Hey, not everybody is this, uh, naturally intelligente. Uh, that's Spanish for all our <laughs> Spanish listeners, uh, as you. So, uh, you know, I got to try and keep that brain, keep that brain going, uh, with the MCT. But man, Gabe, what a cool guy. Like, I love that hockey is now accepting people that are not that cookie cutter kind of like the same type of person. Like we yeah. talked about this, especially when we had on, uh, Eddie Olchek and we asked him about like, how are, are you bored with like the same old hockey interview over and over for the last 20 years? And it's starting to get out of that, which we talked about in that interview with, with, uh, Mr. Olchek. And like Gabe is a classic example of kind of like the non-traditional hockey thinker and yeah. look how he's impacted the game because of it. He's made two unbelievable movies one of them with the you know the best player of all time so i think it's pretty cool that like getting to talk to somebody that's a hockey person and a hockey player but not the the quote-unquote typical guy you know hockey he's he's and we've talked about how much we enjoy talking to people like this he is very much a challenge the process type thinker and loves people who challenge the process love people who do things differently and uh it's that was one of the themes of the film is just these these players who are the greatest of all time they they love to push the envelope and there's certain things about their childhoods there's certain things about the way that they are um that that lead to so many so much great discussion throughout the film um if you haven't watched it yet you need to watch it it is a fantastic fantastic film of the greatest of all times telling their stories about what basically why they are the greatest of all times and a lot of it goes against the conventional wisdom of what's going on in youth sports today um a lot of the film goes with kind of like what a lot of USA hockey and some of these other governing bodies are talking about in 
multiple sports specialization and, you know, not putting too much pressure on kids and, and just learning how to have a passion for the game. I mean, all these greatest, the, the one very much constant with all of them is just how much they absolutely loved the game. And because of that love for the game, how much work they wanted to put into the game, they were never forced to do it. Um, and it was just, a, it was a great film for anybody, anybody, anybody that has any stake in youth sports to watch. Dude, I couldn't agree more. And, and, uh, it, it kind of reminds me like, like what you just said, like talks about like them just having like this unbridled passion for the game, which then turned into like, I want to be the best I can be at this game. Yeah, It's not work uh, to them. Like it's not, yeah, no, work at to all. Them. Gretzky says it on the film. Like people ask me what I did working wise, uh, to get to how good that I was. And he was like, I, I never worked because it was always me wanting to do it. I was never told go shoot 200 pucks or shoot for two, two hours in my backyard. I did that on my own because I absolutely loved the game. And so like, I didn't think I worked a day in my life. I didn't work at it. I just was doing what I loved to do. Dude, I have not worked one second of my life, <laughs> but that's also because in college, but you uh, were the quote unquote hardest worker out there, right? Yeah. I mean, take those quotes out. I actually was the hardest worker <laughs> out there, but, uh, waffle fries every damn day. But like, you know, I couldn't even get a job at old country buffet. They wouldn't hire me in college. Um, so I didn't do like that kind of work, but like, you know, like I, I played hockey for 10 years and now I've run my company for nine or eight, whatever it is, 10, whatever it is. And, uh, carry the two, know, Jeff. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, carry the divide by the square root of pi, um, the circumference <laughs> times radius. Yeah. But the, uh, the, uh, quadratic theorem, I don't know. That just popped in my head. <laughs> All right, let's go. Get going. <laughs> yes. But, uh, it, it, like, it's so true. And it reminds me, we had uh, zoom meetings with my head coach last night and the two assistant coaches, and then each family and player, uh, together, like as an end of the year meeting, cause we couldn't do it in person. Mike Barrett, Dirk, Krista are so awesome coaches. They wanted to do that with the boys. And, you know, some of the parents are like, well, where do we go from here? And like, is he, what team does he need to play for to get seen? And what does he need to do? And what line does he need to play on? And like what you just said is what everyone needs to hear. If your kid, like we, as coaches, we can say like, Hey, this is what Gretzky did. Hey, this is what Topher did. This is what Jeff did. Like, look to the different levels they got, whatever. But like, those are ideas. But if you don't want to do them, like parents, you can't force your kid to do it. He's not going to be a hockey player. Tell it, tell him, Hey, if you do this stuff, it'll make you better. And then if he wants to do it by all means, nurture that, help it grow, buy him a net. If you have the money and he wants to shoot on it, but like, it's gotta be innate and it's gotta come from inside of them to want to do it. Yeah. And it starts at the youngest ages. And the fact that we put so much pressure on kids nowadays at such younger ages, I mean, we're not going to have as good of hockey players as a whole, if we continue to do that, because good hockey players and great hockey players all have a passion for the game. We've talked about it on this podcast plenty of times. The, the players that I have coached and the players that I've played with that have gone on to do the best things, the one thing that was in common with them is how much they loved the game and how much they worked at it. And so the, the, the younger that we keep putting pressure on these kids to be professionals and to be adults, 
the the worse off they're going to be individually and the worse off our sport is going to be and that's why we preach so much making it fun at some of the younger ages because the 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 hard work is a byproduct of loving the game and having the fun at those ages right and i just had i mean this this was an incredible conversation we were talking about it before we got on here so one thing that'll be coming out next week is i got the chance to interview through a zoom call both spencer penrose award winners which is the top coach of college hockey it was shared this year between mike schaefer who i worked with at cornell and brad barry who's the head coach at north dakota and they talked about similar things like <laughs> it's the passion you talk about some of the kids that they've coached that have gone on to, to pro hockey and done these amazing things the tj Oshies, the jonathan taves is the matt molson's of the world like they love the game. They loved being a part of a team. You know, we talked a lot about that, how all those great players, like it wasn't necessarily about them and their careers. It was about the team themselves and the environment that we're putting our kids in too much nowadays is focused solely on the individual and their advancement and not necessarily on the things that are important, like being a good teammate, loving the game. So you want to work hard at it, which will eventually lead to their advancement so it's a backward system that we have right now this was an awesome film um that that shows why and how like wayne gretzky was incredible in this in this movie just to hear him talk about his process to hear him talk about his upbringing i mean it's it's a must must watch for everybody that's uh listening to this podcast it's on amazon prime go get it go watch it with your kid today and and like i think it's almost more important for parents of kids to watch. Like, obviously it's super important for the kids to watch, but like, it's almost more important for the parents of kids to watch, to hear what all those guys are saying. Yeah. So like, cause like I've all, like I say all the time on this podcast, I don't have kids in the game. Like I feel like I do cause I train so many, but they're not actually my kids. Right. So like, I'm sure it's hard that you want to help them any way you can and you want to provide them all the opportunities. But at the same time, like, it's got to come from them and they've got to be searching opportunities. We just, as, as mentors, parents, coaches, role models, we've got to kind of put it out there. Like, Hey, these are the things that successful people do. If you want to be successful, like you got to love this. And then you got to try doing some of these things, but you can't like physically move their arms for them while they're stick handling. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're not going to like you or hockey anymore. But I, I also think that it takes really, really strong coaches and hockey directors and like administrators to go against the grain of where this machine of youth hockey is going nowadays and being so professional and, and stuff like that. Because I mean, that's a, that's a problem that I'm having right now is I'm getting a lot of pushback, not necessarily, I shouldn't say a lot of pushback, but it's, it's been an interesting process trying to implement some of these things that we're talking talking about and and just hearing some of the comments back because it's different it's so different everybody gets caught up in this machine of specialization and crazy serious so quickly and 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 we forget about the things that actually matter for development and at the end of the day like I think a lot of people think about the end result of playing college hockey playing pro hockey whatever it may be and we forget about all the things that are necessary for that to happen. And those things that are necessary are putting our kids in an environment where they can learn the game, love the game, get better at the game, and just absolutely want to do that to get that intrinsic motivation for themselves. So they want to work at it, which is the crux of what we're talking about for this entire 10 minutes that we've been doing this. Basically the, the long and the short of it is like the great, great film. Gabe's a great guy and we need to, 
find ways to not force our kids and players to do something, but find a way to spark that fire that motivates them. However, whatever their skill set is or, or the way they learn or whatever, like we got to kind of manipulate it, find it, light that fire and then watch them take off. You know, yeah. that's a nurture kind of that type of thing is what is what I think. That's kind of how I approach how I work with the kids. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. Well, uh, we got a couple updates here and then we'll get right over to uh, to Gabe. But a couple updates from from the hockey think tanks, and so again, our YouTube series is chugging along, and it's been so much fun to get so much content out on the YouTube series. Uh, we just interviewed for our ten questions Luke Karate, who is the director of player personnel for the USHL. Uh, so that's out right now, and you know, there's a ton of kids, I'm sure, and parents listening who want to get to that point. So he does a great job of mapping out the process to to getting to the USHL and what the USHL is about. Um, so that was a fantastic conversation. Conversation. Uh, this week on Thursday, uh, just like I had mentioned, we had Brad Berry, head coach of North Dakota, and uh, Mike Schaefer, the head coach of Cornell, who shared the Spencer Penrose Award as the top coach in college hockey, got them on the podcast together um, to talk about their seasons, their programs, their cultures. Oh, my God, they talked about culture the whole time. Like everything came back to people and culture, which is what we're all about. And, and it was just an awesome, awesome conversation. So that'll be coming out on Thursday. Um, just so many awesome things that we have going on right now, particularly this podcast too. Very honored to be a part of it. This is episode 101 now. Thanks for uh, Bucci coming on. That was a great, uh, we have had a lot of great feedback from that one and uh, we'll continue to keep rocking and rolling. And then Jeff, I'll let you say hi to our sponsors and then we'll get over to Gabe. What do you say? Love it, bud. So uh, sponsoring this podcast, as they do all of our podcasts, we've got Gel Sticks, G-E-L-S-T-X dot com, G-E-L-S-T-X dot com. <laughs> you can use the code Think Tank uh, by going to gelsticks.com, and that works for their golf clubs, their lacrosse sticks, and their hockey sticks. So no matter what kind of athlete you have in your house or Ew. mom or dad who like golfing, th- dude, I told them when they first told me they were coming out with golf, golf is going to be the biggest one. Like so many people play golf. You can take that thing to the range. It is so badass. Obviously, we love the hockey sticks too. And then our other, uh, our other big sponsor is Train Heroic, which is the platform that I have my uh, programs on, which are absolutely fire. The the feedback has been insane, and I just want to thank everyone who's on those and uh, cleanest training app in the game. So, to look into those two companies, and I want to say thank you to them for for helping us out here. And thank you to our listeners, as always. We are doing this for you. Uh, we so appreciate everything and all the support that you've you've had for our podcast. And then with that, without further ado, you guys are going to love this conversation. Go watch the movie In Search of Greatness with Gabe Polsky. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, all the way from sunny California, Gabe Polsky. Gabe, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. It's not sunny today, but uh, you know, usually it is, but today was raining all day. Oh my gosh. It is, okay. It's sunny in upstate New York where I am right now, and it's raining in, in California. This, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well... We're hockey players. We're supposed to like seasons, you know, so living in L.A. is a little, a little weird. Yeah, I'm sure. But there's actually a lot of former hockey players in L.A. Apparently, it's like one of the, the biggest for, for membership for, for older hockey players. Yeah, yeah. In well, L.A., basically, yeah. 
when those guys retire with a lot of money, there's, yeah, LA is a pretty good spot to land. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. If you're Um, single, it's even better probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, cool. Well, we appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast and you know, you, uh, you directed and produced and, and made these two films that are just incredible, incredible films. And I have so many questions about them. Um, but first, you know, you're a hockey player yourself and you actually yeah. grew up in, in Chicago, which is where I'm from. And one of the most uh, anticipated guests that we've ever had on our podcast is the Stanimal himself, Stan Stiopkin. And you played for Stan as well. So yeah. uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, growing up in Chicago, how you ended up playing for Stan and, and what your experience was like playing for him. Yeah, so it was very interesting. Uh, you know, I grew up in, in, in Illinois, Glencoe, Illinois, and I played for this club called Winneka, uh Hockey Club. And so when I got to a certain point when you're deciding if you, you know, want to go to the next level, uh, you know, AAA was like the highest level. And, uh, and so I, I had to decide between, you know, Team Illinois and, and Chicago Young Americans, the two AAA teams at the time in Chicago. And, uh, and so basically, for the first time ever, they brought over this guy, Stan Stiopkin, from, from the former Soviet Union, from Estonia. And, and, uh, and, and, and so basically, I guess we were meeting with, with him and, and, and the idea of sort of, you know, I think we'd, we'd done some even practices with him, you know, just to try, try it out, something new. And, and it really looked like, you know, it would be much more beneficial to train and develop under a creative guy like Stan um, and that, that that kind of style of hockey because the A is sort of more conducive to my style of play, which is more offensive. And I like making plays and doing interesting things with the puck. And so uh, it seemed like that was like a better guy versus like, let's say a more traditional North American hockey coach in those times where we're, we're just all about kind of, you know, work hard, go in the corners, check, hit, you know, do all this. And, you know, that it just didn't, I thought there's more to hockey than that. And it was just more interesting. So Stan, we, we gave it a shot and it was really just a phenomenal experience to, uh, to, to learn how the, the Soviets trained and, 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 you know, how they thought about the game and the different, the differences in, in, um, you know, drills and kind of even preparation before you, you even get on the ice with somersaults and the physical stretching and activities. <laughs> and yeah, there was all these crazy, everyone thought it was crazy. And, and sometimes Stan even, I think, milked that a little bit. You oh, know, yeah. If they thought he was crazy, he would show them how crazy he really was, you know, and he sort of loved that, you know, the persona. But, you know, but, but it, it really, you know, developed me as, as kind of a hockey thinker and, and, you know, hockey was sort of about, you know, supporting your, your teammates and, 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 and passing, you know, and, and really puck possession. That that was something I really like loved. And it was really weird because, you know, even being coached by Stan, all the, all the, the, the young players, you know, we were all kind of developed somewhat in North American style hockey. A lot, even even if you were with Stan for three years, a lot of the players on my team didn't, still didn't get the whole puck possession and and how to, you know, pass. And you don't necessarily need to just go forward with the puck; you can go anywhere with it. He's a man ahead of his times, that's for sure. Yeah. Over here, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So 
but anyways, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, but then, you know, once you start playing for another coach after Stan, you got to readjust because it's like back to the basic kind of North American coaching style. And, and you, you know, no more, I think no more creativity, you know, you got to kind of tape, uh, what is it called? You got to just go back to normal, I guess, or whatever. Let me ask you this, because like, obviously the way he was teaching you was more of the way that hockey is going now. It's way more that way, like incredibly different than, than it was back when we were growing up. But like, that was a big decision for you to go from one coach who's traditional North American style, as we're saying, to this kind of unknown outside the box thinker. So what helped you make that decision? Was it all your decision? Was it your parents' decision? Were your parents like, let's think outside the box. It'll help you develop. How did you go to that decision? Because right now is, well, right now is supposed to be tryout time. But in the youth hockey world, it's like very crazy. Who do we play for? Everybody wants to follow the best players. They care about winning. We think it's more about development. So kind of what led you to that? That's an amazing question. I mean, it's only kind I asked. Thank you. Uh, well, I mean, you're exactly right. Where 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 it, it it was such a tough decision. And I think uh, you know most, like I said, most of the best players at my age were were not going towards Stan. So it was like basically like me and a few other like really good players that just didn't do that. And uh, we didn't. As a result, I mean, I'm being honest. We didn't. We didn't win. We didn't necessarily. We we won a lot of games, but we, against Team Illinois, the other triple a team we we didn't win and they were just stacked with with the uh, great players now i don't know of those players who like really ended up having a lot of impact you know but we had like three division one players on our team you know and that's pretty good but but anyways um it, it was it was more instinct the decision you know like i don't know i'm i'm more of a kind of non-conformist kind of guy but you know as a, as a young person you don't always know what you're doing or why you're thinking a certain way I think my my parents are from the former Soviet Union from Ukraine so that gave me a little more comfort like oh wow you know that this could be interesting in that respect and uh, at that time I didn't even really know about Soviet hockey and how great it was because there wasn't like a lot of like dissemination of the uh, tapes and there there wasn't a lot of material out there it wasn't the internet you can go and find anything so I didn't even really I had an instinct about it that it was different and a lot of these players were were supposedly amazing that were developed over there but it's not until you actually play a team from there where you're like oh my god and they start skating circles around you and you're like what the hell is going on and this style that they're playing is so foreign and different but somehow you you barely touch the puck because the other team, if it's a Soviet style team, they just like have the puck the whole game. And I, I just love that. I mean, I want to have the puck, you know? And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So we, uh, I ended up on Stan's doorstep cause I got cut from a different team and he was literally yeah. the only person that I could play for. And I yeah. still remember like going to that first practice and, um, you know, not having any idea who this man was or what it was. And all of a sudden I'm doing somersaults and we're playing all these (laughs) games and it's, it was just nothing like I've ever seen before. And I kind of like, I got off the ice and my dad was like, how was it? And I was like, it's just, it's just really different, but I had a lot of fun (laughs) and he's sitting there and he was in the stands watching. He was like, yeah, like that was, 
that was different, but you're going to get a lot better this year. Yeah. And we were yeah. the same way. Like we didn't have the best players, but eventually we ended up beating the teams with the best players because of the way that we developed and how Stan ran his practices and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Unorthodox. I mean, if, you, you always think though, if that guy had the best players, you know, of our age level, like what that could be, it would be amazing. I mean, could you imagine like really strong players, you know, stick, you know, you know, guys with actual talent all together, working together and playing that style would be unbelievable. Like, so like, I, I actually can imagine it because it yeah. happened. Really? <laughs> For, okay, yeah. So, so when we were in Chicago, so the first year I was with Stan, you know, weren't very good, ended up beating, you know, the team that was the more talented team kind of like that we're talking about right now. And then the next year that team stole all of our good players and our good players went to that team. And so we were kind of yeah. worse off from a talent standpoint. And then towards the end of the year, again, like we started beating that team. So they were all kind of like, there's no reason why this like bad news bears type team should be beating us. Why don't we just join forces? So we ended up getting the top kids in Chicago on the same team that next year. And I think we lost like four games the entire year. We won the national championship. Um, wow. We beat Jeff's team. Uh, so Stan being the innovator, let's call him that he was, we actually played Jeff's team from St. Louis without a goalie the entire game and beat him. <laughs> what was it? Seven one or something like that. Vex? And I scored the empty netter. <laughs> oh my God. So it was, it was, <laughs> an ing- they were, it was gross, man. It was embarrassing, but looking back, it was awesome. Wow. For them, wow. not so much for us. <laughs> it was uh, it was an experience. Like it was one of those things. Stan had to find ways to challenge us because we were so good that it was almost pointless for us to play in a lot of the games that we were playing um, because wow. we were beating teams by so long. So he would do things like we would play an entire game without a goalie, or we would play an entire game five on yeah. four shorthanded, or uh, oh, wow. we would play a game where like half the team or like a third of the team would go do dry land during a period. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. type stuff. But some of the stuff you might have done as well but it was uh, it was an interesting experience to say did you did you guys have a lot of uh players that ended up in college and professional yeah i think we were looking at it the other day we had 11 kids on our team that either played division one or went to the ohl um and uh a a lot of those kids ended up playing pro hockey actually one kid we only had one kid that ended up playing the nhl but a lot of kids that played college and and pro so it was uh very very cool to say the least yeah and then, like, what what happened the next year? Of course, he probably got fired, and that was the end of his career. <laughs> right. Typical, typical. Uh, uh, it was one of those. Arms. The next year, everybody kind of went. It, it was midget hockey the next year, um, so a lot of people just kind of went their separate ways. Yeah, went to juniors. A couple people went to the national program. A couple people's, you know, just yeah. stuck around. So it was um, it was a very special oh. year, and and Stan was a huge piece of it. And then, where did you go after that? Uh, junior hockey playing the USHL the next year. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then when you played for Mike Schaefer, you know, that's how, that's a very defensive kind of traditional style, right? You could say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a, that's a interesting thing, you know? I, you know what though, it was a great learning experience because I got to learn yeah. both sides of it and you learn the, the pros of both sides, you learn the cons of both sides. And, um, 
it was really cool to be able to learn because both of those two I consider at the very top of their fields. And, yeah. you know, just like in with what you did and, and the film that you made with In Search of Greatness, um, being able to learn from that high quality of people is, is pretty cool. <laughs> I probably, I think I've got a record too because – you know, I was, I, I, you know, I wasn't the best always at following orders, you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I probably have the record for most somersaults in, in the history of hockey, <laughs> honestly, because I got punished just every game, practice and game. He would I make got a record some- too. I tried, I tried to take my skate off and stab somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought that too, as he was saying that. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I got a record. <laughs> no, but what I, what I was going to say was like, you, you asked that. It's a great question. Like, how did it go? How was it going to then playing for a coach that's super defensive? Something Tolf and I always talk about. Terrible. Like when Terrible. I was younger, I played more like a robot. Like I, I yeah. just, I, yeah. I don't have the vision that Tolfer had. I had like speed and strength as I got into to that side of the, the game, because now I own a strength uh, training company for hockey players. But like you can teach kids how to think the game and how to play puck possession and all those things. And then later on, it's super easy to teach them how to be a robot and play in a system yeah, and exactly, all those things. Exactly. But if you robot, teach any, kids, anyone could be a robot. Anyone. Right. But if you teach kids and put them in systems and force them to be here and do this left wing yeah. lock when they're nine, it's very hard to do the opposite and then teach them how to be smarter and think the game. So our whole thing is kind of teach them those, those, you know, how to think and be smart yeah. and be creative, like you said, and all these things, because it's super easy to turn anyone into a robot, but it's very hard to do the other way around. And I learned that the hard way throughout my career. You're, I mean, that that's, yeah, really well said. I mean, it's exactly what the movie says, you know, you're, you're never going to, first of all, look, there's no robots ever going to be the greatest of all time or, or a guy that just does exactly what he's told. Never, never. You're, you'll be an interchangeable cog in a, in a machine that is not that fun to watch. You know, that, that's the bottom line. The only way that you'll ever be great or the greatest is if you're able to think creatively and, and improvise on the ice and, 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 deal with the constant change happening in the game and, and not just in the game, big picture, but also during a game when things are happening and you got to be able to use your body in so many different ways. You got to be creative. And, and that's, again, it's all about playing and, and understanding your own uh, mental and physical abilities. And, 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 um, and it's not really about, as you guys know, and as you saw in the film, it's not about how, how strong you are, or big you are, or fast. You know, it, it is a little bit about that because you, you deal with your physical limitations. But th- those who are the greatest of all time aren't, aren't the biggest, fastest, strongest. And, you know, but they find ways to be creative to, that work for themselves, you know. And they also have coaching that allows them to be creative, that nurtures it, open-minded coaches, you know, and, and um, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, how does it, how, how is it to go from offensive creative minded coach to, to d- defensive? And I, I found it just incredibly difficult for me kind of spiritually as an athlete, because for me, the game, the, the players that I like to watch, and the game that I like is, is 
creative, free-flowing, Patrick Kane, uh, all the greats, Connor McDavid, all these guys who do who, who are performers and showmen, the guys in, in my film who are the greatest of all time, those are the guys that I looked up to and thought were interesting. And they were doing, surprising me every time I turn on television or whatever. And really that was what it was about is that's what sport is about. It's that sort of the unexpected. You, you, don't, you don't go watch a game because you know what's going to happen or you everybody just sort of goes in straight lines or whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to go and see at least three great plays. You know what I'm saying? Like just well, kind of like how Gretzky. Three. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how Gretzky started out using the back of the net. Like yeah. no one was doing that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this guy, he just flips the script because it made sense to his creative brain. Yeah. He's like, if I stand behind the net, nobody can touch me and I yeah. can just pass it. And back then goalies sucked. <laughs> relatively. <laughs> so if I make a pass from behind the net out front, odds are my teammate gets it. It's a goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it must have been so interesting having the chance to be able to interview people like that. And not only did you have Jerry Rice and Pele and Wayne Gretzky, but you had um, Sir Ken Robinson, you had David Epstein, leaders in in the creativity field uh, as well. Um, And like, what was that like being able to get into their minds and get through their process of how they feel like they became the best of all time at what they do? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're talking hockey here. So, I mean, Gretzky was clearly the, the 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 god of hockey, and not more than that. I mean, he just—if you watch Gretzky play, you know, I, I I was able to. I'm sort of of that age group. You're a little bit uh, a little bit younger, but I—it I, it was like watching an alien on the ice. Like everything, the way he skated was strange. The way he shot was strange. The way everything about him, the way he put it tucked in his jersey and this I mean he just looked and this his helmet I mean everything about him was just a little bit odd and I didn't quite understand what he was doing because it looked like sometimes he just wasn't even engaged in a play and then all of a sudden he'd pop up at the right place and score a goal and then three minutes later it'd be the same thing like where is he he's not doing anything then boom goal <laughs> um so he he was up playing on another level uh, mentally and, and and it seemed like his coaches were just like look you know as long as you're, you know, being productive and we're winning, you know, do do what you got to do. And because, you know, if, if, a, if a player was trying to emulate Gretzky, what he was doing on the ice, let's say like in youth hockey, there was no chance you could do that. Cause coaches would be like, why are you over there? Go over here. I told you to do that. Like, but if you really watch Gretzky and his tapes and what he was doing, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that was starting to make sense to me about how to score goals and, 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 you know, and, and to me, it was very productive. And I had to like, almost, you have to cheat the Gretzky it, with all these coaches, because if you did what they, if you, you have to pretend like you're doing what they're telling you to, but you adding kind of little bits of what, what Gretzky was doing and, and, and understand the game where you sort of show up at the right time. You know, you got to understand how, how the movement happens on the ice and when openings and opportunities start existing. And, and that's, I started th- thinking about the game in a more Zen-like way where, where I would basically look at it almost instead of like, Oh God, okay. I got to go straight into the corner and I got to, ch-, I would look, see how the, how the whole flow of the ice was moving. This is like actually later in high school and in early college, 
that's how I, I would look at the game and just sort of w- watch the flow of it, how, how everything was flowing, where, where openings were, were, um, were happening, you know, and how, how time was shifting, you know? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. It becomes m- almost an intuitive thing. You want it to be intuitive because you don't want to be like thinking out there. Okay, now I got to do this. And then I go, okay, that, you know, you know how coaches do with the, the boards and this and that. Like I thought all that stuff was, by the time you're playing in the game, everything should be a flow, you know, and you, you've got to react to that flow. Anyways, did I go off on a tangent? <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a good no, tangent. My coaches didn't know what I, I mean, they, they would say in college in particular, you know, they, they, they would be upset. And, and, but I would say, but I got it, you know, but look, I scored two goals and didn't get, there's no goal scored on me, but they, they didn't care. They wanted you to like do what they said. And to me, what they said, I couldn't really, A, I, it wasn't enjoyable to play hockey that way. It just wasn't, there was no point. Well, why am I playing hockey if I don't enjoy it? That's the first thing. Secondly, to me, it just wasn't productive. And, and we all know that, look, if you're not, if you're a guy in college and you're playing on the third, fourth line, you're trying to kind of get to higher lines so you could not, so you're not interchangeable. You got to produce, you got to score goals. And otherwise you're just like, Oh, I was just out there and did nothing happened. You know, just the goal is to not be scored on, you know, that that's like not a way to play hockey. You got to take risks. You got to, and you know that if you're, if you're going to get to the next level, you better produce. You know, that, that's the bottom line. And so I was out there to score goals just every time I touched the puck, I wanted to make a play. I love and, that. And, but, but that's not like the mentality of a lot of these coaches are. You got to dump it in. I, I don't think I dumped the puck in a single time in college. <laughs> but that, that's that's awesome. why I didn't play that much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How many turnovers did you have? <laughs> I, not a, I don't think I had a lot. Yeah, that's good. That's well, it's good. interesting yeah. that you're talking about that because in the film, you know, you I guess I can go two different ways. The first one is Gretzky and Pele and and Jerry Rice all said that they were very lucky that they played for the coaches that they played for. Yeah. So, you know, Bill Walsh in, in San Francisco and, and especially Gretzky with Glenn Sather in, in Edmonton because they let them be them and, you know, and not yeah. necessarily try to get them to conform. And that was another big piece of in talking about the greatest of all time. Like they were nonconformists, like they were always yeah. looking at doing things differently, but the other way, and, and what I wanted to ask you too, is like, we've been talking about, and you mentioned the intuitiveness of the game you know, and, and uh, being able to listen to a guy like David Epstein talk about creativity and Sir Ken Robinson talk about how to develop those kinds of things. How, how cool was that to be able to hear some of the best in their field, just kind of talk about how they were able to develop this one intangible creative thing that is very hard for anybody else to do. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was, you know, one real, you know, people ask, well, what is the most surprising thing you learned or whatever? And I, and I always, I say similar things. I, I think that everything I have in the film, I, because otherwise I, w- I would be bored is, is very interesting to me. You know, I don't put things in there that I feel are cliches or you've already heard a hundred times before. We all know you need to work hard. You need to, da, da, da. but <laughs> it's, it's, it's that obsession. The idea that like very specifically Gretzky watched you know, every single game played every night on television that he remembered every play that he'd ever played in. It's that level of obsession and passion that they, that these guys have the study and kind of that, 
those kinds of little things that you're talking about were very surprising, be it what Jerry Rice was talking about, throwing the ball up in a dark room or, or you know, having that clock in his head, just sort of always ticking, you know, so you kind of understood how, you know, duration of time, you know, in his head, it was a clock, you know, and he could, and, and, and perfecting every step of his routes, you know what I'm saying? It, what, when you, when you watch Jerry Rice, it looks so fluid and artist and, and like a, a beautiful dancer and that fluidity. But what you don't realize too, is that it's not just like him sort of being creative and dancing out there. It's him also like timing it so well that like, there's no missed every step is very efficient and that that way that's how he creates space you know it's those very interesting uh details that were fascinating to me and that i wasn't just sort of going there to confirm these ideas that i had about creativity which i which partially it was you know because i i believe the whole reason why i made this film is because there isn't any dialogue when i was growing up or I'd assume now about how the how vital creativity is. It's really the most important thing. Why does no one talk about it? why in USA hockey? Uh, you know, I went through the whole, you know, Lake Placid, you know, then Colorado Springs. That you know, all the way up to Future. No, no one's ever talking about uh, who's the most creative players or, or like is that guy productive? He's maybe not as fast or whatever, but it, he looks like a really interesting. You, you know, player that that can be incredibly productive and score goals or whatever. You, you know, there's the dialogue is always sort of this. You know, what's the word? This sport talk, like oh, well, he's cliche. His, yeah, his, his <laughs> scores in the combine. He's fast and tough. And he fucking works hard, and he's the kind of guy that I want on my team because he listens to what I say. Or you, you know, but you have to look at a little bit more holistic. Got to be open minded, and that not everybody you can get so much more we're filtering out a lot of talented people because we're looking for such uh robots yeah robots exactly <laughs> well, the, phys- the physicality word. too i mean it was very funny when you asked those guys the questions about the combines <laughs> they, yeah, they all, yeah. all kind of yeah. laughed and were like yeah okay pick but your can t- you imagine <laughs> if a usa uh, i don't or any sort of hockey coach they, they if your combine scores are are low you're you're really you know like tom brady i mean yeah i mean you're making it really hard for yourself you know what i'm saying even though you've got this ability maybe mental ability that's far superior or whatever but but really what's interesting is that those low combine scores are are forcing you to be so creative about how you play because you have such like you know impediments that you have to you literally have to reconceive how how the game is played but do you understand absolutely i mean because otherwise you wouldn't be able to function so you've got to like be way ahead of everybody mentally yeah and i think david epstein even talked about it creativity in terms of the survival instinct because you look at like a wayne gretzky who was underdeveloped physically and he almost had to think way outside the box just to be able to survive in the game. And that's what, like, we have a a mutual friend named Ryan Hardy, who's a general manager of a USHL team. And we listened to him at our conference this summer talking about how he loves to draft under physically developed players who can think the game because they have to have this sense of, well, hockey sense, hockey IQ, whatever, 
where they have to survive and, and thrive in a game yeah. when you can find people that's like that. So, and that's a huge so part of the film. It's smart. You know, I, uh, when I was in college, I, uh, uh, I get, came in at like 190 pounds, right. To college. It, it immediately, so they get you on all these Olympic lifts and all, like bench pressing and all this stuff, whatever. And I immediately basically started to lose weight. Cause I, again, I had, I had more of a, I, of like kind of a Zen approach to the game at that point, I developed this. Yeah. It was all about being incredibly calm and, and fluid and um, what's the being in a state of flow kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And like not rushing into like, like basically, you know, possess it when I get the pug, don't panic. It's all, it's all kind of a flow. And I, I, I felt very great about, about where I was with the game and very confident. And, and, um, and so I started to lose, weight you know they wanted you to be like uh, they probably wanted me to be 210 pounds or whatever but I started to lose weight because I wanted to so I wanted to go down to like 180 or whatever just because I wanted to be more of a fluid player and I wanted to think faster and I, I and to me it was like um it's easier to dodge hits if you're a little bit less weight right because you're not there's less of you right so you can sort of use judo and use other people's force against them is, is that was my mentality is that, you know, I'm not afraid of contact. I enjoy contact, but it's like Peter Forsberg, you know, like if you watch how Peter Forsberg played, he, I felt like he was great at, at, at sort of using people's energy against them and also hitting people when they least expected. He was, he was a, an offensive hitter. Like when he would hit people when he had the puck. And I, I love that. Because you're never being creative. That's a creative <laughs> thing. Like so, people weren't doing that yeah. 20 years ago. But, but I would get hitting. so much trouble, uh, like just sort of in the weight rooms about well, why I didn't do, do this or that. I don't know. It was it was it was challenging. But but reason why I even tell you that is because it was the reason why I made the film. You know, it's just I felt like we had a lot of things asked backwards, and most of the coaching in college and elsewhere was so traditional and so narrow-minded and so focused on, on this, these conventions of what hockey should be or whatever, that it was just totally missing the point. And the best players were oftentimes not, not getting opportunities or may have been passed over. Now, some like Gretzky's were, were able to find the right environment for, for themselves, you know, but I think it's changing. I think it's changing yeah, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, totally. A guy like Tof is doing everything he can and, and myself yeah. and our podcast to like yeah. push out there. Like even just we, Tof and I always talk about perspective and like just from the working out thing real quick, because Tof and I have talked about this quite a bit, but like they used to look at it when I was going to NHL training camps and it's like, all right, whoever wins the testing, which was always me, um, like they're, <laughs> they care and you got like all this yeah, emphasis yeah. on this. But it was hilarious because while I was all those, I was looking at guys who were mainstays in the NHL and way better players than me. And I'm like, they're not even a quarter as strong as me in any lift, but they're better hockey players. Some of that is obviously innate ability, but like, what am I doing wrong? So now it's starting to shift with, with uh, newer age strength coaches where it's like, yeah. I literally don't, I don't care how much weight you lift. I care how you lift it. And yeah. I care about you as a player being as light and as strong as you can be oh, wow. okay. so that you're agile. I don't want you to be six foot two twenty 
if you can be just as strong at six foot two oh five, I want yeah. you at two oh five so you're lighter, you're faster, you're more nimble, all those kind of things. So the, the perspective is definitely shifting and people are starting to instead of only looking at it from a top down approach, like you said earlier, holistically, and that's basically, yeah. you know, in yeah. all of hockey, Tope's goal. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Tope's a smart man. Oh yeah. Nah, nah. Put off a good front. <laughs> okay. Cool. No, but, but when, when did you start like, like Topher, when did you, why did you decide that this is going to be, cause it sounds like we have very similar views, right? I mean, when, when did you say, you know, okay, you're, I mean, was it coaching for Cornell? You're like, you know, like I, I just, I don't know. I, I should be doing something else with my life. I mean, in terms in, in terms of what like i don't know spreading these messages or <laughs> well i mean i was uh I, I really enjoyed coaching at cornell it was it was got yeah. to meet a lot of really good people and a lot of the fruits of what i've been able to do with the hockey think tank come from the relationships that i've been able to build through recruiting so much and yeah. you know having played college hockey it's uh um you know you know how much yeah it is a people business. Right. And so, um, when I left, I left because I was spending so much time on the road and my wife and I were starting a family and, um, it's, it is interesting. You know, you talk about like professional sports and things like, it's amazing how many more people were apt to talk to me now that I wasn't wearing a crest on my Jersey (laughs) or on my shirt. I was a neutral party now. So nobody was giving away secrets. Um, but it was just an unbelievable learning experience. Get to talk to so many people. And when I left Cornell, I wasn't sure what my next move was going to be. So I just started to reach out to people and just talk hockey and all this kind of stuff. And just kind of naturally, like you're talking about a flow kind of thing, things just kind of started to happen. And then I started to kind of capitalize on some certain relationships that we had and started building some things. And, you know, here we are now. And I think everything that we've been able to build is based upon, these types of conversations where we're able to shed a little bit of a different light about what hockey is, what hockey development is, what life is, and um, being able to get such a wide range and diverse set of people to come on to to this podcast and, and talk about these kinds of things has been so honestly, like, I think rewarding is the best word to even use because I have learned so much over the past year and a half being able to do this and in so many different ways that whenever I decide to get back into higher level, whatever, like I will be so much better equipped to do so because of conversations like this. And uh, I love talking to people like you, Gabe, that love to challenge the process, you know, that, yeah. that, that find a different way to, to think and can challenge the conventional wisdom or challenge any way that I think. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there like that. <laughs> I yeah. think there's a lot of yes people out there. And um, just but you as- know, what's amazing, Topher, is that, I knew no one's going to listen to Gabe Polsky. You know, I'm a failed Division One college hockey player. First of all, don't say that. I don't like. I don't like when people no, say no, no. negative I'm, things I'm, about I themselves. I'm self depreciating. I say that almost with a smirk on my face. But, <laughs> but but I knew that who who are they going to? Do you want to listen to the greatest athletes of all time? Do you want to listen to what Wayne Gretzky has to say? If you can't listen to Wayne Gretzky then you're and you're a yes guy then then you're 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 insane (laughs) so i I, i'm it's not about me i knew that i had to get if i wanted to get the messages that i thought needed to to get to people for healthy lifestyle a healthy experience in sport and in life and growth and 
and and the best product out there that that I needed to get the greatest of all time in every sport. If I couldn't get them in person, like Michael Jordan and Tom Brady and Muhammad Ali, then I then then I would feature them in in the essence of who they were. But essentially, that's the way that you change minds. I mean, like well, like. I mean, it's Wayne Gretzky for Christ's sake. Well, let, well, let me He's ask you this. Greatest. Well, you want to know how to be great? Then listen to him. I yeah. did it. I, I made the film. Now we got to get get it out there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because like, I mean, like if if anyone argues with you, Topher, about these ideas, just say, oh, well, well, you're right. Maybe Wayne Gretzky's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the tactic <laughs> I need to start using because I mean, it is. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Because you even listen to Wayne Gretzky talk in your film, and he's like. Like almost openly saying that these things that I believe are not what is going on in the world of youth hockey today. And you just like, you shake your head and you scratch your head. Like, Oh my God, these people, this is Wayne Gretzky talking. And you don't want, like, you don't want, like, this is USA hockey. This, and they don't want to listen. It's just the machine is so insane right now. It's these traditional norms and, and people who are very fearful because they are not open-minded it's the same thing in, in, in politics or business or anything. If, if you know, you're, you're afraid because you're, you don't want new ideas because it, it threatens the way you're thinking. It threatens who you are, what you're about. And if, but those who are very successful are always very curious and open-minded and they're, they're open to new ideas. Well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't have it right. Let me, let me think about this. You know? We're just attacking things from a different angle. Like yeah. you, you said the word holism and I love that word and holistic and like a, um, instead of a micro approach, uh, stepping back and like trying to look at your situation from way above where you are, like as if you were a spaceship up at earth, you're seeing the whole picture. And I think just more people need to do that. And it's the people, like you said, that are kind of yes, men are kind of scared and they see this person doing that. So they got to do it. But like, why aren't you listening to people like Wayne Gretzky? And, and like you're saying, one of the best ever. And um, I train uh, Al McInnes' kids, one of the best defensemen of all time, Hall of Famer. And when I retired from playing, I immediately became outspoken, the same as Tolf on this podcast and stuff about like, let's play less games for multiple reasons. Save people money. Let the kids actually live a life, which I think will yeah. make them better hockey players. Let them let them practice more and train more in the correct way. All these things that I think will make the entire youth hockey experience better, more fun, more enjoyable for parents, players, and I think it'll create better hockey players. And you got guys like Wayne Gretzky, Al McKinnis, Tolfer Scott, <laughs> same, same echelon. No, like all these – Gabe, all these people – that that kind of are able to extrapolate themselves from the day to day and and oh sick word Jeff I guess I've been reading the dictionary Jeez, during this, wow uh, big words dude but anyways extrapolate you. themselves pull themselves up out of that situation and look at it from an overhead view and go hey you know what let's try this because I think that will make this area better and well, let's facts. try that you know so, like G- Gabe uses an unbelievable so he uses some quotes throughout the movie and one of the quotes I thought was so profound and it was you cannot be a good strategist unless you are also a philosopher and that's a little bit like what we're talking about right now cuz it it takes you outside and you have to really think about the why you know right like why are you doing things 
to be able to, to execute on the what and the how. And uh, I, I, that's one of the questions I had for you, Gabe, is like, take me through that statement and take me through how that was manifested in your film because I thought it was yeah, really so, cool. So, so one, one influential uh, thinker that, that I would listen to and read, read his books, among, among others, is a guy named Alan Watts. Alan Watts is an Eastern uh, philosopher. He, he's not an Eastern. He, he's a philosopher that, that really did a lot with Eastern um, ideas, which is like, you know, let's say Zen Buddhism and Taoism and things like that. And, and uh, those ideas are all about kind of, you know, letting go and being present. I mean, you know, it's a lot of the stuff's cliche now with all the things were, but, but at the time when I was training, no one was ever talking about being mindful, being, being aware, being calm, meditating, using your breath. And, and I discovered these things from a teacher, uh, the writings of Alan Watts. And, and I actually started to, uh, to apply them to hockey. You know, I, I would actually, you know, uh, be before games or before anything, I would just basically calm myself down, be, be mindful, follow my breath. And, and, and so that I would have a more, my lungs were more relaxed that I could fit more air in, you know what I'm saying? And then also I, I love to play in a, in a more relaxed way. I, that I could see the ice. I could see things ha- happening, you know, not just what's happening now, but how, how, again, how, how things were moving on the ice. And the more relaxed I, I became, the actually more productive. I, I would score goals almost without effort. You know what I'm saying? It was a very interesting thing. And so, but then my coaches always thought that I didn't care because of the way that I, I looked when I was playing. It looked like I didn't care. You know, you know, why don't you rah, rah, rah? You know, it looks like you don't, you know what I'm saying? But that was just like my way of being more productive and, and, you know, playing that was just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyways, that's how did your coaches deal with that? Like, or I should say, how did you deal with that? Cause we have a lot of players that listen to this youth all the way up to pros. Like when your coaches kind of didn't agree with your approach, did you ever go to them and say, Hey coach, this is kind of how I approach the game. Um, Can we talk about that? Can you let me try it? Or was there just kind of a battle and you didn't say anything? It was a little bit of everything where I would, I would go in and talk to them, especially. So my freshman year, let's say in college, I, I didn't play a whole lot, like maybe three games. And, and I thought it was, well, you know, it's because I'm a freshman. And then my sophomore year, like one of my first, that first game of the year, I got two goals and an assist against UNH. They're like top ranked team. And, and then I found myself the next like basic game after I was out of the lineup after having a tremendous game, I thought, well, okay, that was my chance. I proved myself, you know, I'm going to get a chance here. It's my sophomore year or whatever. And, and so I'd go in and he said that I missed a, a weight room session. And, but right then and there, I realized that, look, it, this, this sport, it's not about like fairness. And, you know, if you produce on the ice, then you'll, if I show you what I got, I'm going to play. Right. If, if I, score goals and get, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't not play me after I have a great game, you know? And, and it wasn't like a total asshole, but I just think they didn't understand me or they thought that I was just, he, he just would say like, look, you're, you're defensive liability, you know, but I would say, where, show me on the stats, just show me, show me, Let, let's go through the thing. And he would say, no, 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 I'm not doing that right now, Gabe. I'm not. And, and so it would just go on like that. And I said, look, just play me 
like uh, half the time that you play our best players and I guarantee you I'll be just as productive. I guarantee it. And if I'm not, then, then that's it. I'll, I'll quit. You know, like, like at least you give me a shot, you know? And I would say things like that, like basically like just give me a third of the ice time that, that you give other guys. And I guarantee you, I mean, and I'm not, and I didn't say it as like in a mean way or whatever, but I, I'm just saying it as like very honestly, like I, I just want a fair shot and, you know, and it would just be, it would just, there's something about it where they didn't like that I was doing things differently or I didn't, you know what I'm saying? And I just somehow got, I got on the wrong side of the thing, you know, and, and I couldn't. I think it's hard with hockey because the the culture is so massively yeah. important in a locker room. Like, because yeah. it's, there's so many guys on a team and Tolf and I always talk about yeah. how to create culture, how to enforce culture, um, how yeah. to make it grow, stuff like that. So like, maybe he thought you were getting outside the team's culture, but I think Tolf, like as, as a former college coach, and he's talking about as a former player, kind of how would you have handled that situation or, or for the players listening or coaches listening, how would you have rather him come to you if he's kind of like different than everyone else on the team? Well, I think, I mean, I'm times not trying are to different be, I wasn't like a total asshole, like disruptive <laughs> in practice. I mean, maybe right. man, I would, but I was just, I was different. I, maybe I was a little bit quieter at a certain point. I mean, it got after you become depressed after a certain point when you're just, you know, not playing and you feel like you could be incredibly productive, then, then you just sort of like withdraw almost, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah what do you, well, I think times are different now. Right. And, and yeah. even in the research being done, like when we were growing up, you know, and I listened to Ken Hitchcock actually do a talk the other day and he was talking about how the previous generation, us that were playing, you wanted everybody to act the same. Right. Like you, you, as a coach, you treat everybody the same because that was fair and everybody should be the same and conform, yada, yada, yada. That is, that is out the window now, you know, now as coaches and you talk to high level coaches, you, you treat everybody individually. You have to coach each person individually to get the best out of each person in their own way. So Gabe, for you, just your personality and how you were in, in the way that you're talking about flow and all these kinds of things. Like I can imagine an old school coach being like, yeah, like that's not, that's not the, the, type a typical person that we want to have in our locker room. Whereas like if you played 20 years later and you were being coached by a little bit more of the new school coach today that could maybe like appreciate your differences rather than treat you like differently and worse because of your differences. I think it could have been a lot different. I don't know if that's answering the question Vex, but I just think it's just the way that coaching is nowadays. It's so much more tailored toward the individual player, which get so much more productivity out of everybody um, as opposed to to treat everybody the same, you know? Yeah. Like the the coach that was at Yale, this guy, Tim Taylor. I mean, I've heard from so many different people that, that even, even, even guys who are like some of the best in the NHL that played for him at the Canada cup, just, just that, that he was really kind of traditional and old school, not necessarily like, scotty bowman top like rah, but he just was like kind of by the book guy and i just i don't know it just shows like whoever's watching you know who i really didn't think much i thought i got into yale so i'm not gonna like not go there you know i got into other schools too but it's like such a great school and and uh i thought you know i'd just go in there and, and it would be 
like when you're when you're a good player, it's it's so evident. You, you don't have to. You know what I'm saying? I thought there was no. You just go in and you you show what you can do, and when you're given a shot, and you show how productive you are. That that's it. I mean, it's really here's the interesting thing, guys. It, it's it's really all about productivity. In that, it doesn't matter how you play or what you do on the ice. At the end of the day, if you score more goals than the other team, no matter how you score them, what you're doing out there, that's it, right? And, and so that's what I tried <laughs> to win. explain. It, that, but that's what I tried to explain to the coaches. Like, like that's all it's about. Like, don't like don't I make it about more. Be productive. That, that's it. I'll score goals. Like. Isn't that what the game's about? Like how many more goals you score than the other team? Like, you, you know, like whether I do it your way or whatever, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just do, does that make sense to you? So what I'm saying to the coaches and kids is that like, it just don't like, like just see what the results are, you know, like everyone has their own way of doing it, you know, and, and it's about results. I don't know. No, I think without I think, negatively affecting yeah. culture, though, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, no, of course you, you don't want um, you you want to you don't want to have a, a. I mean, excuse my language, but a bunch of holes treating people poorly and and being mean and and, and it's just not fun, you know. That, that that's that that's I, I I'm assuming that's a given, you know, but maybe it's not. Yeah. Well, it's you know what the in today's I think it's so much cooler to be a coach nowadays. Maybe cooler is not the right word. It's so much more work to be a coach nowadays with this thinking that you have to develop relationships, right? You have to develop relationships with your player. That's a huge piece of coaching. You have to find out about them. You have to invest time and effort and energy into getting to know their uniqueness and what can bring the best out of them as opposed to, you know, when we were being coached again, it was that everybody can form, be the same person. That's how we're going to win type of mentality. And I think the best coaches nowadays have an unbelievable ability to foster that environment where everybody can be the best version of themselves, but still have them buy into who the team culture is as a whole. So everybody is pulling on the same rope because you can go, I mean, you can err both ways too, right? (laughs) You know, you can err um, too much conformity or you can err where everybody just is, is on their own page. And the best coaches nowadays, I think, strike that really good balance. But that is a hard, hard thing to do because you have to really work at getting to know your players, but also work at making sure that the players know what the values and and the you know the just the way that the culture is supposed to be ran as well. So it's coaching is hard. It's really hard nowadays if you want to be really truly great at it. Where as opposed to in the 1980s, 90s, whatever, it was just authoritarian and yeah. do as I say and that's how you got the best out of people by motivating almost kind of through fear. And some of the best coaches did that <laughs> and got, well, the biggest fear is not playing. I mean, I'll tell you that you guys know yeah. that. I mean, it's just, it just, it's just devastating, you know? Yeah. Well, here, let me ask you this because it kind of goes along with it. I know we've had you on here for some time now, but there's, there's one question that I really wanted to ask you because you actually ended the film like this. And we talked about, uh, you know, the, the quotes that you were using, but it was really interesting to see how you dedicated your film at the end, 
because you wrote that this film is dedicated to those who give opportunity and encourage freedom. And that is, I think it goes along with a little bit of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And uh, so just kind of, it's just interesting that I that was Jeff, brought Jeff's up. nodding his head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being micromanaged. So I like that yeah. quote. Yeah, but it's yeah. so it's so interesting because like in your book or not your book in your in your film a huge part of why these uh why these players were so successful is because they were nonconformists because yeah. they challenged the process because they were always looking for for different ways to do things and and just kind of like what you're saying like as coaches I think we have to strike that balance but we also have to appreciate sometimes when players are are challenging you and want to know why and are looking for different ways to do things because that's how you find progress too and so i want to ask you about that because that's that's i think that's a really interesting quote yeah i mean it basically kind of says it all right i mean you know it's those that that now i'm forgetting even the, the the quote but you know that that give Everybody needs an opportunity to, to, to perform, okay? Well, let's agree on that. The second thing is, 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 is those who, who, who allow you to be creative uh, really are the greatest coaches. We, we, we've talked about this the whole episode. It really is true. And, and if we can open people's mind to how important that is, there's going to be a lot better results. Hockey's going to be a lot more interesting to watch. People are going to be a lot healthier because they're going to enjoy playing and playing for a coach or that is more open-minded and creative because it's more fun. You're not doing the same thing every practice, every game. And uh, um, let me let me ask you this. I know we're getting towards the end of the episode here, but for all the players and for the coaches listening, because this will hit both both sides of it. Gabe, you as a creative player, as, as a younger guy, when you were playing and, and looking back, what would you have wanted a coach to do with a kid like you that's creative? Maybe you've called yourself, you know, quote unquote, nonconformist. How would you have liked a coach who was new to you to approach you with, with kind of how you approach the game? Well, I think first and foremost is just give, give, a fair opportunity to, to showcase your ability that basically to, you know, that, and then see what happens. The worst that you could say is, look, you were, you, you were out there and you, you, you didn't make anything happen or you let up three goals or whatever, but just allow somebody to, to say, okay, here, here, I'm giving you an opportunity. Let's see what, what, what you can do, you know, or, you know, that's the first. And second thing is, is just, I, I mean, really, I think honestly, the first things that are the most important because it's just and being open-minded to different different styles and and um, that's basically it. Because I think once you kind of allow someone that opportunity, that's all you can really ask for. But in terms of developing, and once you get to college, I think the player development gets a little bit because gets a little bit less because you're already kind of a developed player to a degree, you know, and a lot of it's getting ready for the season and the next game and whatever, and, and being prepared physically and mentally, but really the player development, your skill set is somewhat set, you know, not, not too much, but 
you could still learn a bunch of things. But do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've all played with guys and may, maybe you were one of those guys. Yeah. It sounds like when you were playing college hockey, where all the guys on the team are like, man, you know, Gabe is nasty. He scores nine out of 10 times in practice, but he's barely ever getting to play. So, you know, as a coach, just giving those guys that opportunity, it sounds like to, and, and to play devil's advocate as a coach, if you don't like that style, you're kind of giving them the opportunity to see if they succeed. And then yeah. maybe you're surprised and you're like, Oh, or maybe you're giving them a little bit of rope to hang themselves to then go, Hey, we need you to come a little bit closer to the team structure, yeah, yeah. still be you, but a little bit closer into what we kind of have going on. So I think, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, we appreciate Gabe, you taking the time to come on here and for all the people listening, I mean, this film is incredible and I'm going to send it to every single kid in my youth organization to make sure that they watch it and every single parent and coach as well, because it just, you know, if you want to be great and, these are things that we're trying to educate people on how to get better, how to develop. Everybody's searching and reaching for that greatness, no pun intended, for, for the, uh, the name of the movie. Um, there's just so many great, great, great aspects. And I can't imagine how freaking fun that was to be able to get into the minds of some of the best athletes of all time. Um, but it was so cool to have you on the podcast, Gabe, to talk about your journey and your story and, and, uh, and your film as well. We didn't even get into red army <laughs> and red army was an incredible film that you did too. Um, as well, well, that's also about creativity. I mean, you know, the central, the, the reason why I made red army was because I wouldn't have made Red Army if that team wasn't so damn good and so interesting and creative to watch. And, yeah. and, and then so you wonder, what, how did they get so creative? And watching Red Army, you see how the coach, the original coach, the, the, the founder of that Soviet style was, was, was a, a philosopher and, and, and studied dance and chess and w- w- thought of the game in, in, in a beautiful way. Uh, and it was, it was that creativity that, that developed the most dominant team in history you know so that that again I, i'm just saying that these these ideas really kind of interlap yeah it was films. it was interesting in the red army film how you know tarasov the, the first person that you were talking about the, the great philosopher how yeah. you know all the players enjoyed playing for him and he was like a father figure and and just uh, an amazing amazing mind. human it seems like amazing yeah. mind yeah and then victor tikhanov comes in and uh, yeah. maybe he's the reason for the miracle on ice. <laughs> so <laughs> his lack of what we're talking yeah. about allowed yeah. America to have its greatest hockey moment of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, good stuff, Gabe. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. Um, we are going to blast this film out, both films for sure. I mean, we get so much out of it. So uh, thank you for all that you're doing. And uh, hopefully we can get some spikes for, uh, for these films in the hockey world for sure. Thanks, man. It was very, it was very fun talking to you guys. You bet. We'll talk to you Take soon. Care.